3: Good morning, Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler this morning as well as tomorrow morning from 6 to 10 here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Of course, I host the 6 a.m. Saturday show known as the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, 10 years running here on 710 KNUS. So that means three days in a row of yours truly at 6 in the morning, and it is still dark and early outside, but we have much to discuss and certainly welcome your participation at 303-696-1971 if you want to join into the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to text in please, and there are a couple of ways that you can email yours truly directly, 24-7-365. One, if you go to my show's page, the Jimmy Sangenberger Show at 710knus.com, you can email me directly, as well as my website, jimmysangenberger.com. Keep in mind, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is Easy and social media. I'm on the social webs, the app formerly known as Twitter. I am at Sang Center. That's Sang with an E, not an A. Center on Twitter and Facebook.com/slash Jimmy Sangenberger Pro is where you can get me there, or just search Jimmy Sangenberger Media. Personality Coming up in the next hour, our one guest on the roster today is Rabbi Jonathan Hausman out of Stoughton, Massachusetts. He is just absolutely phenomenal. I always enjoy talking with him about a variety of issues ranging from the blues to anti-Semitism and the rising scourge of anti-Semitism in our society today in our country Israel and Hamas there's so much to discuss with Rabbi Hausman he's always a phenomenal guest and he will be joining us in this seven o'clock hour as of now we are wide open otherwise and that means you can participate again 303-696-1971 we do have much to discuss, of course, the latest going on vis-a-vis Israel and the war of the terrorist organization Hamas against Israel and developments regarding that hospital strike from a couple of days ago where there was a blast at a hospital that the Palestinian authorities say has killed several hundred civilians and More and more we are seeing intelligence demonstrate that it was Islamic Jihad, likely, that shot a missile and it was a misfire, a rocket, and it was a misfire, and at least a piece of it hit down to this hospital causing the destruction, and that it was not Israel. Now the U.S. government is saying exactly that, bolstering the claims of Israel's IDF, the Israeli Defense Force. Now, that has not stopped the likes of Rashida Talib from continuing to push out and perpetuate this myth that, oh, it was Israel. And uh, not trying to correct the record or anything, quite the opposite is it is, it is not surprising, but it remains astonishing. So we have much to discuss regarding Israel today. Plus Jim Jordan has been defeated for the second time yesterday in his bid to become speaker of the house. Colorado's own Congressman Ken Buck of course has voted no twice. He voted no on Tuesday in the first vote was one of 20 Republicans to dissent. And yesterday was one of 22 Republicans to dissent. The number has grown. And reports from Politico, from the Washington Examiner, from elsewhere are in part that the the, the way in which the Jordan camp has been attempting to advance his nomination has been uh, the opposite of what the a lot of Republicans want. That they're sort of being uh, feel, felt, like, feeling like they're being browbeaten into supporting Jordan, pressured into supporting Jordan, as opposed to being along for the ride. You can think about what Kevin McCarthy did early on in January. He negotiated. He made deals. He made promises about this. He specifically he went and made too many promises, perhaps. He maybe made some promises that he could not keep, but fundamentally he worked behind the scenes to negotiate to try and reach deals. It doesn't seem like that's what Jordan is doing, and it is backfiring for a lot of Republicans. I don't know what the motivations are in that regard for Ken Buck, but it certainly is the case for a growing number of Republicans in the House. As for the congressman from Colorado's 4th Congressional District. Uh, well, here is what he had to say on CNN about his no vote on Jordan. I also am concerned
2: about uh, January 6th and, and Jim's uh, involvement in that or non-involvement. We had some conversation tonight. I want to go uh, check some things and then ask him some more questions about that tomorrow. And then finally, the spending level is, is an issue that I, I care about. Um, We are really nobody believes me, but we have an existential crisis in this country over spending, and we need to make sure we get that under control.
0: Let me ask you on the second point. um, What what could Congressman Jordan say to you to um, convince you to vote? Yes, particularly on January 6th. I mean, that seems like it's set in stone, whatever he did or did not do or, um, you know, support for an election or not. What could he do now?
2: I think it's really important that the Republican Party state state unequivocally that President Trump lost the 2020 election. Um, I think it's important that we recognize what happened on January 6th, and Jim does. When we talked tonight, he he absolutely recognized that January 6th was a a disaster. Um, It was terrible. Uh, There's no excuse for it. But the events leading up to January 6th, I think, are important for uh, us to just get our hands around and and for uh, Jim and all of us to say uh, that this isn't the way we want to conduct business in the future.
0: So if Jordan were to say Donald Trump lost the election, you would be a yes vote?
3: Um, I would be closer to yes It's interesting hearing Ken Buck explain his resistance to voting for Jim Jordan. Uh, We'll talk more about this later, although feel free to get in the conversation now, 303-696-1971. On what you think, I have to say, I'm cool with Jim Jordan as speaker. There's a lot that I like about the guy. But my issue or concern, is the better word, is I don't know that he's got what it takes to be the Speaker of the House in terms of those leadership skills. It's not like he has a tremendously successful track record on legislation of bringing fellow Republicans, let alone Democrats, along for the ride on passing legislation. He does not have that, which is one issue. I also think that he is somebody who excels in the spotlight. He's great on TV. He's excellent in those Judiciary Committee hearings where he is the chairman of the committee and really just lets it rip in a tremendous way. It's impressive when Jim Jordan goes on and has that opportunity. But is that the same as bringing the skill set for Speaker of the House? I don't know. I've been wrestling with that a little bit. Now, that doesn't seem to be anything in the calculus for a Ken Buck. I don't know about the other 22 that voted no yesterday. But there are some questions that I have about Jim Jordan's capacity to be the Speaker of the House. Again, I'm cool with it. I like the guy. I'm fine with a, a Speaker Jordan, but... The question is about efficacy, how effective a speaker can be in rallying the troops, as it were, in getting things done and making an impact, particularly when it comes to legislatively. Perhaps you disagree. Perhaps you think he has all of the traits to rally folks behind him and to be effective as Speaker of the House. Maybe we need a different kind of speaker right now. Maybe we need a speaker who can get out there and on TV really fight the rhetorical fight over the next year. I don't know when we've got a war in Israel and we've got the fiscal crisis that we have right now with, before we know it, we'll be at $40 trillion in debt and we have to get these appropriation bills done. And, of course, we're looking at the prospect of a government shutdown, which previously the American people were ready to blame the Democrats, were ready to blame Biden. Will that be the case if these discussions about what to do about the fiscal state are postponed for several weeks? Because Republicans can't get their act together and select a speaker or figure out what to do as far as leadership is concerned and then find themselves in a position where the shutdown happens and Republicans get blamed. And it has little to nothing to do with the actual fiscal issues that are in play, the concerns that led several members of the House to oust McCarthy, including Ken Buck. I don't know. I think there are a lot of issues at play. What do you think? 303-696-1971. Let's go to Joe in Arvada. Good morning, Joe. Benoit, how you been?
2: Good. How are you, Jimmy?
3: Doing good. Jimmy,
2: the, the real issue is not about uh, any of these issues. It's about the fact that Jim Jordan is a real conservative, and Kevin McCarthy never was, and neither is Ken Buck. Ken Buck... Is a flip flopper extraordinaire. I uh, look at what's happened. He has uh, gone over to CNN to, uh, you know, capitalize on his uh, popularity now in the Democrat Party. Great, Ken. Why don't you just drop out to CNN now?
3: So let me ask you a question, Joe. How do you define a real conservative?
2: Okay, a real conservative like Jim Jordan is one who stands upon their principles and actually fights for it and if there are but, 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 but that's like, not what well, a minute, conservative uh, but you're, my, no 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 joe joe joe, joe. that's
3: not my question that's not my question off. my question was not is he willing to fight it. for his principles conservative means a philosophy an ideology doesn't it so what is a real conservative
2: I noticed the non-conservative bent of your station has a tendency to interrupt real conservatives.
3: Hey, Joe. Here's the point. Joe, I asked you a question. It's not your show. I asked you a question. I'm not going to answer it. Are you going to answer the question?
2: Let me speak. Go are ahead. You, are you I'm going to let you
3: speak, Joe. I'm going to give you one more time. If you answer the question, you can go ahead and speak. Come on, brother. What is a true conservative? What is a real conservative?
2: I'm answering it. A true conservative is one who actually fights for their principles and doesn't flip flop because of CNN money or the military-industrial complex money. That is the problem. That that is not an
3: answer to my question because a conservative, liberals, liberals fight for their principles, right? Socialists fight for their principles. What does that mean? Does that mean well, that that perfect, you're a socialist too if you're a Republican who fights just, for principles? Just a moment. As, as a perfect
2: example of what you're saying, liberals flip-flopped on the military industrial complex once it started feeding them the money. Joe. You see that's the you, difference you didn't define a, a real
3: conservative. You didn't define I'm, a real I'm, conservative. I'm telling you, I'll give you one more flip-flop. chance to define what conservative means.
2: I'm I'm answering you, but you're not listening. No, you're not and answering con- me. Yes, I am. I don't think you're listening
3: to the not- question, Joe. I'm, okay, then shut up. You know what, a conservative- Joe? I, I think you're not going to answer the question. Have a great morning. Because you know what? If you're asked a question that is simple, what is a real conservative? The answer is not, well, you're fighting for your principles. Because, again, go to Alexandria ocasio Cortez go to Juan Marcano, go to Tim Hernandez, go to Tay Anderson. They're all fighting for their principles. If the definition of conservative is fighting for your principles, then doesn't that mean any of those liberals are somehow conservatives? We're already getting the the blood flowing a little bit this morning. It's great. A real conservative is somebody who believes in the principles of limited government, personal responsibility, and strong national defense. Those are the three core pinnacles. The question is not about fighting or not. Any Republican who was out there fighting then can be described as a real conservative, yet some are described as rhinos by the the people who are somehow the arbiter of real conservative who don't even understand what conservative means, except they'll fight. It's all a circular argument. If you don't actually address the ideological question, it is a circular argument. Is he a fighter? Great. So he's a conservative. But he fights for the wrong things, so he's not a conservative, But a conservative is a fighter, so I don't understand. I'm not following. Maybe Winston has a better answer to this question about what a real conservative is. Good morning, Winston. How are you?
1: I don't know. I'm listening to the guy before me, and I'm not sure what to think. I was just telling Wild Bill, I don't understand, because I'm 72, 73 next week. And what I thought was a conservative believed in the values that this country was founded on. Period. That's yes. what I think. And, what, and are, what are a
3: couple of those values? Well, the right to free speech,
1: the right to assembly, peaceful. And, Jimmy, before you were born, I think CBS brought out a uh, – sem- um, what do you call it? One of those first uh, questionnaires they had about what we were allowed to do under the Constitution. I mm-hmm. think this was in the 60s, I mm-hmm. believe. Okay. I was in college at CSU, and, of course, you know, people were burning stuff. And I was – before that, I was at Kent State as a freshman, behind – or I was near Kent State when everybody got shot. And you ask me what a conservative is, and honestly, today, I don't know. I mean, candidly, uh, I live in Florida now and and Buffalo, Wyoming, part of the time. And, Jim – uh. There are people that say they're conservative. Like I like the guy that's running for Speaker of the House, Jim Jordan. Sure. But I also like what Matt Goetz said on Jason Whitlock. And I don't know if you're familiar with either one. But I'm
3: familiar uh, with both. I don't know what, what Gates said. but Well, when- Gates,
1: was, Gates was saying, look, he believes in the principles of the country and, and that Congress shouldn't have a free check to spend money like, pardon me, drunken sailors. I was cut off yeah. yesterday cuz I was by Peter my hero <laughs> cuz I said a bad four letter word and I didn't realize it was you know FCC politically yeah, correct Yeah you got
3: to be careful with the language oh, there yeah. that's that's for sure but Winston let me let me say this to me at a fundamental level I said limited government personal responsibility strong national defense it all comes down to mm-hmm. one fundamental value and idea which is that government is created and intended for one sole purpose, which is to protect the inherent, inalienable, God-given rights of each and every individual. And that doesn't mean providing all the benefits and goodies that some people want from social welfare programs. It means a limited confines of what government is supposed to be. Right. And that's the essence of what a conservative is. Now, wait. You said something that's very, very important. Mm Mm-hmm. Personal
1: responsibility. Take take um, take ownership of your actions. That's right. Uh, I grew up in New Mexico, which is a very, very poor state. And my family, my dad was a professional. My mother was involved in politics. It drove my father crazy. But to be candid with you, there was a lot of personal stability back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then it started to kind of go away. And then everybody was playing the blame game. And, oh, by the way, you know, I grew up terrible and my family mistreated me. All this other happy horse manure that I think is a crock of social BS. Fair enough. And I just think that, you know, we've gotten away. I don't I mean, we've had three or four generations of children. That have
3: no idea what what personal responsibility is. You know, Winston, I got to run, but I think that I I, I have a few theories about why this is the case. Uh, Number one, I think that as society has advanced, our technology's gotten better, our quality of life has improved. uh, We've had the opportunity to become lazier. And we're wealthier as a society and able to rely upon others. That's a big piece. Another piece is the great society of the 1960s that LBJ heralded in. That had disincentivized folks from working, discouraging productive behavior in that regard. Exactly. Well, well, listen, you and I are on the same page. You have a great day, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Winston. I also want to add, though. That this also includes a decline in sort of the moral ethos of our society and also, just in general, the church's roles have declined as they have sort of with the exception of the Catholic Church. And I don't mean this categorically, but broadly speaking, the church has been less involved in providing the kinds of services that now government provides. And I think there was sort of an open openness to government stepping in and the church stepping back in that regard. So there are several reasons why we've seen a decline in personal responsibility. I think those are a few of them. But Jim Jordan, is he the right guy for speaker? Is he a real conservative? I think he is. But is he a real conservative in a way that justifies him being the Speaker of the House? Is that enough? Or does he need to bring more to the table? 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. We're already off to the races, revved up and ready to go for the rest of the program. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler right here on Denver's Local Talk Leader News Talk 710 KNUS. Welcome back, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler today and tomorrow. 710 KNUS is Jim Jordan, the definition of a real conservative. What is your standard for that? And is it sufficient? And is being a fighter sufficient to leading as Speaker of the House? Let me just say again for those just joining us that I don't have a beef with Jim Jordan. I'm cool with the Speaker Jordan. I like Jim Jordan, but I'm not sure that he meets the necessary qualifications. And I don't mean the on-paper qualifications. Anybody in the country could be the Speaker of the House if the House votes him to be. Bill Thorpe. Billy Could be the Speaker of the House. Now, he'd be absolutely insane, literally, to take such a job. I think just about anybody would. But nevertheless, theoretically, he could. What I mean in terms of qualifications is, is this a person who has a legislative track record of accomplishment that shows he can rally folks behind legislation and get it done? Jim Jordan doesn't have that track record. Jim Jordan also is exceptionally good on TV, especially as somebody who is, and I don't mean this in a a negative way, is known for being sort of a bomb thrower. And why I say in this case, not in a negative way, because what he's really doing is getting out there and fighting the fight and putting out his views and making it known very clearly on television. And they're very targeted. As well, when he makes his points known. The other thing that Jordan does is when he's chairing the Judiciary Committee. You got to love watching the Judiciary Committee when he's got a star witness of some kind that he's just absolutely grilling. You can't do that as Speaker of the House. You lose Jim Jordan and the asset that he brings in those Judiciary Committee hearings when he's able to grill the guy in front of him. But those are also the things where he excels on TV in making these points and in driving them home. But when it comes to the leadership qualities, I'm not so sure that he fits the bill. But then there's the question of what is a real conservative? Is he, as Joe from Arvada suggested in the last segment, with no explanation, though, as to why, is he the definition of a real conservative? And he may well be. I tend to think he is a real conservative. Does he define real conservative? Probably not. But who does in this day and age define real conservative anyway? Is it talk radio hosts? Is it Donald Trump? Is it Jim Jordan? Is it Ken Buck? Is it Nancy Mays? Who is it? Is it good old Ronald Reagan from the grave who helps define conservatism? I tend to think Reagan is actually a phenomenal barometer for what a real conservative is. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. And you could text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Uh, listener text coming in. By the way, name in town, name in town, if you wish to text in, please. An unknown listener, unnamed listener, texting in, Joe doesn't get it. The Republicans are going to lose the House. Look, with this kind of dysfunction, I think there's a good possibility of that, especially in this political environment, even though Joe Biden is a terrible president, even though the Democrats are in Looney Tune land. If there is a perception of dysfunction, just look in Denver. At Denver Public Schools, one of the prime examples of dysfunctional governance Mayor Mike Johnston yesterday just announced that he was endorsing the three candidates who were not backed by the union. John Youngquist for the at-large position, Marlene De La Rosa for District 5, and in District 1, I believe, Kimberly Sia. None of those are incumbents either, and there are two incumbents who are running. When the mayor of Denver feels compelled to endorse somebody, three candidates who are not backed by the union, and he's a Democrat, not backed by the teacher's union, and against two incumbents, you know something's up. And that kind of dysfunction is known by the public, and so politicians like Mike Johnston will react to that. Isn't the same thing? possible for republicans in the dysfunctional house and is it is it somehow anathema to the republican party or conservative principles to say to admit to acknowledge that yes the house gop is dysfunctional i mean frankly i'm at the point where i don't know which is more dysfunctional the denver school board the house gop or the colorado gop 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. We have listener text coming in from Nebraska, Jacqueline, saying Jim Jordan is probably the closest thing we have to a real conservative in Washington. We also have listener text coming in saying most people on both sides don't like the flamethrower. Got one already in Trump. Jordan has passed zero bills since being in the House in a million years. I guess it's 10, I think it's like 10, 12 years. That's a leader. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Frank in Denver. Good morning, Frank.
4: I think I want Singenberger for Congress.
3: (laughs) You know, you will not get your wish, my friend, but I appreciate the sentiment. What's on your mind this morning? You
4: sound, I don't know if you heard him, but I was going to ask you if you did and if you agreed with Charlie Kirk yesterday, he sounds almost exactly like what you were saying. And he was saying, and putting down the Republicans, that the Republicans uh, don't seem to know how to take control, get together for what they want, to do something for the country. With their slim majority that they have, they need to do what they they can, rather than the infighting and the arguing about little bitty points. And so he was he was saying that Republicans are... Totally happy to be in second place and just kind of complain all the time but never get anything done, whereas the Democrats seem to organize and put forth their crazy agenda for the slow disassembling of the country. Pretty sad.
3: Hmm. You know, I, I would tend to agree with that analysis. We might, Charlie and I, disagree on how we get to that analysis, but I do think that there is something to be said, and we see it here in Colorado, I think the leaders of the Colorado GOP right now are more interested in just barking up a tree about the Democrats than in actually trying to accomplish something. That, oh, by being bombastic and bringing the fight to the Democrats in a rhetorical sense, that's all you really need to do. And I think that's way off base. You actually need to have goals and objectives that you are trying to achieve and fighting for the sake of fighting isn't enough. And and in some cases, I do think that there's sort of this complacency among Republicans who are like, you know what, I, it's easier to just argue and be the dissenters or to just get on TV and spout what we want to spout than it is to actually lead and accomplish things.
4: I'm afraid we do have a dysfunctional Congress because in today's social media world where anybody can be uh, docked or mocked Criticized, bringing bu- uh, up stuff back to their childhood. You know, it's almost like people are afraid individually to introduce anything for which they might come under the heat and lose their position that they ran for. Rather than like the Dems going behind closed doors, getting their unified front, presenting it, and just voting on it. And the, the people don't. The opposition doesn't know who to criticize. So the Republicans need to be a lot smarter. Otherwise, we're just not going to get anything done. Yeah. The country keeps stumbling along. Well, stumbling and, along.
3: and here's the thing, Frank. The problem, the biggest problem with dysfunction in a political sense is that it leads to lost elections. Like I was just saying in the example of Denver Public Schools and the blowback there and and the probable consequences that you could have two incumbents voted off the island because of the dysfunction, not necessarily because of themselves, but because of the dysfunction of the entire board, that creates a perception and people say, you know what, they have control of the House and they can't even get their own ship in gear and on the ocean floating in a direction that they can agree upon.
4: Like Pete says, two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead.
3: <laughs> there you go.
4: You know, that's it's it's really sad, though, Jimmy, because it's a it's an ineffective, dysfunctional uh, yeah. thing that has a high degree of responsibility for helping to run this country. Uh, it, it's almost like half of your callers could do a better job. What was it? Bill Buckley said the first 437, whatever uh, number names in the New York phone book (laughs) uh, could do a better job than the elected group we have now because they seem to have so much at stake that people can attack and hold hold them uh, prisoner.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're raising some some good and important points, Frank. By the way, it would be 435. 435 uh, is is the number that you would get in Congress. So uh, I really appreciate it, Frank. Uh, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks a lot. 303-696-1971, our telephone number. Listener text coming in. Look at Johnston. That's Mayor Mike Johnston's record in the state Senate. He passed the bills that weren't teacher-friendly and made it easier to get rid of teachers, so it's not surprising. Yes, he did. I I don't know that I would characterize them as not teacher-friendly, except insofar as they added new accountability measures in there that would say, okay, we are going to be boosting and changing how, the, how teachers are held accountable, how the assessments are approached, and so forth. Things, what was that bill? I wanted to say 217, but um, it's escaping me what the bill was. But there was one that really was all about accountability. But regardless, it's true that he has that kind of record on education, so it fits. But he could have just stayed silent. He did not need to endorse anybody. He could have just taken a step back and said, I want the people of Denver to decide the future here. And then I will speak up when I think something needs to be said. But he didn't. He decided to get into the fray. And I think that is because the dysfunction is so bad. And he recognized, you know what? It will be to my political advantage to play into this race. Well, these three races in Denver. we got to run to a break. Our telephone number, 303-696-1971. Keep the text going as well on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town if you wish to text in. Keep it here. Jimmy and for George on 710 KNUS. Coming back, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you in for George Brockler, Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710-KNUS. Coming up at the top of the hour, my good friend Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, hailing from Stoughton, Massachusetts, will join me to talk about the rising scourge of anti-Semitism in our country and what's happening over in Israel and gaza right now deeply disturbing we have much to discuss there and tomorrow we will have a retired brigadier general offering insights doug slocum will join us 35 year air force veteran and fighter pilot and uh, again brigadier general he will be joining us in the 7 a.m hour tomorrow to offer his perspective and breakdown on what's happening as well will be phenomenal insights don't Miss. It. So we are talking, though, this hour, and we will again return to this subject as well later on, about the Speaker of the House battle that is going on right now, Jim Jordan trying to get the votes, but he lost two more in yesterday's vote. On Tuesday, there were 20 dissenters. Yesterday, there were 22 dissenters. It's not a good indication that you could become the Speaker of the House if you continue to slide in that sort of a direction. That is to say, in the direction of losing support as opposed to gaining support when you need it in order to win. And there are a variety of reasons I'm sure that that's in play, but one of these is strong-arm tactics that Republican members of the House are alleging against Jordan, and particularly Jordan's team. Read the Washington Examiner on the right or Politico on the left. They are both saying the same thing and showing the frustrations here. Say what you will about McCarthy, what he did in January. He overpromised, including saying, (laughs) in his case, one member can go ahead and put forward a motion to vacate that we all have to vote on. Ended up getting that guy canned from his position as Speaker. But McCarthy worked to negotiate, to figure out what deals could he make. Instead, we have reports that Jordan's team is trying to sort of pummel Republicans into getting on board or using the conservative infrastructure from the Colorado GOP yesterday, sending out an email saying, call Ken Buck's office. Yay, Lamborn. Yay, Boebert. Call Buck. Because he's wrong and we need him to support Jim Jordan. To conservative talk radio being asked to jump into play and get these Republicans pressured into voting yes. Here's the thing about Republicans. That doesn't work. The Democrats fall in line. Pelosi was the master at this. They get it together. Republicans don't. If you encroach upon their sense of independence you make things worse we see that all over in the Republican Party and right here in Colorado so that's not a good sign for Jordan's leadership nor is the fact that he hasn't passed any significant legislation when you're the Speaker of the House that's the driving goal right now again that's not to say that I dislike Jordan. I'm a Jim Jordan fan, especially when he's in the Judiciary Committee kicking butt or when he's on TV exposing things like the, the reality of Hunter Biden or some judicial issues or what have you. He's a tremendous asset, and I'm cool with Speaker Jordan if he becomes Speaker. But I think that we are seeing some real issues that can spell more difficulties for Republicans moving forward three zero three six nine six nineteen seventy one is our telephone number for later on in the show when we return after talking with rabbi jonathan houseman a listener text that came in earlier when joe had said that ken buck flip-flopped jimmy um did not ken buck flip-flop on a bunch of issues agreeing with that sentiment um I don't know specifically what issues Ken Buck flip-flopped on. I think when you look at the strength of his arguments and some things, perhaps. I mean, I'm not a fan of his, uh, uh, per se, of the way he's gone about big tech. All right, I just noticed we are running to a break here. I didn't see that. We'll be back. Jimmy and for George